0: Thankful to be here tonight uh, to get this started so i've uh, excited about tonight because i'm going to be kicking off something i'm probably going to be doing all year long only because i'm only speaking you know once <laughs> a month so uh, i've i don't know if it's exactly uh, the Holy Spirit kind of kicked it off in me, but I was Or if it's just me reading something and going, "This is so cool," I just want to tell everyone about it, and uh, maybe it's just maybe it's both, you know. But uh, I'll take it. I'll uh, take it however it goes. So, uh, but I did pray. I usually have to pray and say, "You know what, God? What do you want me to speak about?" And uh, you know, I'll I'll, I'll speak whatever you want to do. And um, and sure enough, usually He gives me something. And uh, he knows that I like Jewish stuff, and I'm, you know, always getting into that anyway. So I uh, usually ends up being with that and that kind of material and uh, things like that. But this time, like I said, I don't know if it's exactly the Holy Spirit or just me, but I kind of went to God this time and said, you know what, I want to do this. I think that would be kind of cool. I mean, I don't know if that's wrong, but I I, I do feel... Through the Holy Spirit, that he was like, sure, go ahead. So I even went to pastor and said, This is an idea that, I, I, that I'd like to have. And he's like, Whatever God wants you to do. And so uh, this is what I'm going to do. So basically, how many um, love parables? Like, it's one of the coolest things about Jesus and about uh, rabbis and, and things like that uh, altogether. Parables. Have been done throughout all of centuries, just throughout all of Old Testament and everything. You know, the parables, basically, we know, you know, when you think of the word parables, you think of stories. And, uh, but there's so much more of that, and we'll get into all of it. Uh, but I want to talk about parables, and we're going to do a parables in, a, in a, a Jewish perspective. And I thought, you know, I like the Jewish stuff, you know, and Jesus was a Jew. And uh, when he taught, when he spoke, it was to the Jews. And so uh, the things that he would say, Jewish people would go, oh, okay. Or we'll, we'll even see sometimes, sometimes, they, what exactly are you saying there? Can you give me a little bit more insight? Sometimes he'd speak a little bit. He's like, no, I don't think you understand. But uh, we'll talk more about that. We'll get into some of the parables. Tonight's just going to be kind of an introduction. Of parables, just to kind of get you to understand uh, what it is about parables uh, that are so important, especially in Jewish uh, Jesus's time. All right, uh, so to to understand that, uh, we're going to start with Matthew thirteen, uh, chapter thirteen, and I'm going to read ten through fifteen, and I'm going to read out of a Jewish New Testament. I even put it up in there just in case you're like, oh, cool. So, uh, just in in case, so read out of a Jewish New Testament. Um, In fact, they believe to have found a Mateo uh, Hebrew manuscript that dates back even further than some, you know, the Greek stuff. Um, But anyway, so here's a Jewish New Testament, Matthew 13, starting with 10. Then the uh, telmidim, which is plural for disciple, so disciples. So the disciples, I'll try to translate some of the Hebrew words for you. Then the disciples came and asked Jesus, Why are you speaking to them in parables? He answered, Because it has been given to you to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but it has not been given to them. For anyone who has something will be given more, so that he will have plenty. But from anyone who has nothing, even what he does have will be taken away. Here is why I speak to them in parables. They look without seeing and listen without hearing or understanding. That is, in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which... Says You will keep on hearing, but never understand, and keep on seeing, but never um, perceive, because the heart of this people has become dull. With their ears, they barely hear, and their eyes, they have closed. So as, as not to see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand their heart, and to do, I forgot that one. Um, so that I could heal them. If somebody has another translation, probably can say what that word is. Turn, Turn, okay. So, and that's from Isaiah uh, 6, 9 through 10, because he, you know, as a Jewish rabbi, would quote Torah uh, constantly when he spoke. So, Isaiah 6, 9 through 10 is what he quoted there. All right? So, there's, there's quite a bit when it comes to talking about parables and... I have, I've smushed it down as much as I could, I promise. All right? I know. It It reminds me of another, it reminds me of an actual parable. And it says that, and I'll I'll translate the parable into, you know, modern day. A pastor, or um, these two guys were arguing about their pastors. And the one pastor, or the one guy says, well, my pastor can speak an hour about anything. And the other guy says, well, my pastor can speak two hours on nothing. <laughs> I'm probably going to need about three hours for this. But So to start off, like I said, parables are stories. Okay? They're stories, and they let us escape reality. Okay? Even, even stories that we know of when we go to the movies, when we uh, read books, and when we Get into stories. They allow us to escape reality. Allow us to connect with fantasies. They they even allow us to learn better. I've heard people say the more that they read, the the smarter they are, and I've known that to be true. And my father-in-law is very wise because he reads a whole lot. All right. So, but teachers who teach with stories and illustration have students who learn better. And uh, for me that came true, I was at CBC, I I kind of always been a history kind of buff, you know, I I always kind of liked history, but when I was at CBC we had a professor, and he would do these um, lessons, and they're in narrative form, there wasn't names and dates and you know the boring that you think of when you think of history. You know, you think of history, you're like, uh, a dread, it. who cares what happened back then? But he would tell these in this narrative form, and he would tell them in such awesome detail as if you were actually reading a book, and you would get into it, and you would pay attention. And he was so clever at these stories, he would get into it, and he would be getting to a, a nice conflict or a nice climax, and all these different things and then, at the end of class, it was like, and then we'll find out next you know, and we were like, oh, that's what came over the whole the whole class oh, right so there was there was good to that because we were all intrigued we we're all listening we we're all getting the information there was There was a negative side to that though, and that was. So hard to take notes when they when he told like that it was so it was difficult to take notes now I came up with my own thing. I illustrated as he was talking, and i kind of it was kind of cool. I made this like book it was uh, Protestant reformation to present class, and I made this little book, and I showed him at the end of the semester, and he was like, "You know it'd be kind of cool if we made a book together and I was like yeah, let 's do it and uh never did it but it was cool, but I, I learned a lot in that class. I learned about all kinds of different things, and it's because of the storytelling. In Eastern and uh, Western kind of thought, Jewish thought, or Greek thought, as most people would uh, call that, is kind of the difference there. In Greek thought, or in our civilization, or whatever, we tend to think of things in And different kinds of views, you know, if you would ask more often than not, uh, maybe 90%, all right, that's just a guess, maybe 90% of people around here, if you would ask them what is God, they would say things like God is love, God is strong, God is everywhere, right, which are all true, but if you close your eyes, you can picture that. You couldn't get an example of that, you just, it's just something you read, or maybe even experienced. But in a Jewish thought. In a Jewish uh, scheme of things. It was always pictures. If you ask the same question. 90% of the time there. It would be God is a shepherd. God is a rock. God is a strong tower. So everything is through pictures and imagery. And that's how parables were so important. That's how parables were so um, big in Jewish culture. Even Uh, throughout all the Old Testament, before uh, Jesus' uh, parables were uh, a major role in uh, rabbis' teaching. See, it was a huge deal in order to get the reality of God and reveal the word picture of a parable. See, through drama, the point in a parable, describes the nature of God and a human response. To to talk a little bit, I want to I want to kind of do a little bit about the Greek because it was in Matthew and most of the um, or the New Testament we know is written in Greek. Uh, so just to kind of give a little bit about the parable in Greek, it was basically. Something being cast or thrown alongside something else. The word parable in Greek. Being cast or thrown alongside of something else. It's almost like you're comparing something by throwing them together and you're looking at both of them. Hmm. Okay. So I'm going to look at these colors on these sheets and these colors on these sheets. And I'm going to compare. Okay. That's that's what the, the Greek form of that word came from. The interesting thing, and I don't want to harp too much on this because there's a whole lot that I can do, but I'm promise i'm gonna do like really uh really light because it can get very like <laughs> all right but the the Greek form of parable comes from a root word that also uh from a geometry term uh parabola all right parabola i think I think there's a picture of the parabola all right yeah, there it is okay. So if you, if you know anything about geometry, which I'm sure all of us do, right? We're all geometry majors. All right? Math, geniuses, and algebra there's, there's a lot of algebra into it. All right? uh, just to know a little bit about it, basically, it's just a mirror-symmetric um, curve lined around a focus point. OK? If you can see it, it's a mirrored. All right, one side or the other, and there's all kinds of different uh, things that go along with it, but the the thing that I think was cool about this, and to uh, compare it with parable, is that a parabola's identity depends on that fixed point. I don't know if you see the, it says focus, and that point there is the focus point, it's the fixed point. Okay, so the parabola's identity depends on that fixed point, and the more you know about the parabola, Will allow you to know more, to identify with the point itself. Okay, the more and there's uh, uh, geometry or al, uh, algebraic equations and geometry equations equations to be able to uh, figure out or to understand what that fixed point is and all that kind of stuff. Okay, but it's that curved line, and you notice the curved line doesn't actually touch the fixed point. A story or a, and a parable is a story that uses imagery and metaphor in order to make a point that is not explicitly identified itself in the story. So, if you know enough about the story, you can determine the point being made by the story itself. Okay, so it kind of uh, goes along with the same symbolism now, like I said, there's all kinds of cool stuff, but I don't want to get into it because even me trying to explain it goes, hmm, so we'll just kind of leave some of that alone. Plus, we're in the Hebrew, uh, we want to know about Jewish stuff, so that's what we're going to do. The Hebrew word is mashal, everyone say mashal, mashal. yeah, mashal. mashal, all right, mashal. yeah, M-A-S-H-A-L. It refers to proverbs, riddles, uh, fables, allegories, uh, stories. Okay, that's what it's from, and it defines basically what the root of it uh, says. It defines an unknown by using what is known. It defines the unknown by using what is known. Basically, it begins with the listener. It begins where the listener is. But then pushes them beyond their realm into a new place, into a new realm of discoveries. It pushes them from where they are to somewhere new, somewhere of awesome discoveries. The root word also is associated with the word shadow, right? And a shadow, basically, in the sense of the connection of the shadow and the actual substance. Okay? All right. So, the the parable, the root word of Mashal, is associated with the word shadow, in the sense, not just the shadow by itself, but the shadow connecting with the actual substance. Okay? So, all right, now... I will be honest with you, a lot of what I'm doing is um, I am what struck the whole idea of what I wanted to do comes from a a book, a book by, uh, his name is uh, Brad H. Young, Dr. Brad H. Young. He does a lot of Jewish content and things. So uh, in his book, it says, the shadow is an exact representation of the substance but the shadow, but in the shadow, one discovers a clear outline of many features of the reality, so basically, in many ways, God is the ultimate reality, um, providing the substance for the shadow in the word picture of a parable. The way the parable speaks about God is deeply rooted. In the historical and cultural background of the Hebrew Bible, in our Old Testament, parables are all throughout. There's rich imagery uh, to discover God, and is similar uh, to that of the Bible. Biblical statements about God and God's action in the world are expressed in large in language of image, images of Hebrew poetry. God is not simply powerful, but one who kills and brings to life. He brings down the Sheol, which is um, Hades, and raises up. First Samuel 2 6 talks about that. God does not simply free a people, but leads them out of the house of bondage with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. That's in Deuteronomy 5. The Hebrew Bible images of a God who lays the foundation of the earth and shuts in the sea with doors In Job. He seeks the unfaithful people with the longing of a rejected lover in Hosea and remembers the people with a mother's love in Isaiah. The biblical God speaks through the images that touch hidden depths of human experience and covers the whole array of human emotions all throughout the Old Testament. Imagery, pictures, kind of uh, comic strips, basically, of explaining who God is and how God wants to be with His people. The Gospels no different. The Gospels, parables of Jesus where we are full of everyday ordinariness along with God awareness. In fact, one-third of the sayings of Jesus in what's called the Synoptic Gospels are parables. That's quite a bit of of sayings of Jesus. One-third of the Synoptic Gospels. Now, the Synoptic Gospels, just in case you're curious, it's Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Without John, John is... Kind of different from the other Gospels because of different stories and different ways of uh, teaching and different things. But they believe, they even believe, despite one, there's one uh, kind of argument. There's one story in John that's kind of an argument if it's a parable or not. Uh, but without that argument they, that there is no parables in the book of John, which is kind of interesting. But the fact is, is that uh, in order for us to truly know God and to truly know Jesus, we have to know his parables. Brad Young says we must understand parables to truly know Jesus. And I kind of said a little bit about that last time I spoke, is that even uh, Jewish rabbis that uh, are Orthodox Jews that don't believe in Jesus being the Messiah do believe a lot of, of Jesus being a rabbi, a great, smart rabbi. And, and if we want to be under his yoke and we want to follow his uh, you know, thought and want to follow him and be his disciple, then we must understand him and everything about him, including everything he says. And as one-third being said in parables, the more we understand the parables, the more we will understand who Jesus is. See, parables bring an unknown God through human experience of life. And in that, it tells us a story about God and invites their listeners to kind of grab a hold or cleave to his ways. This reminds me... uh, and it shows in like a picture of an arrow. There's a picture of an arrow, and it starts with God. God is sort of like a shooter. And so God has who he is and what he is. And then he creates a mirror image as feathers of an arrow that compare to the picture of the story with reality. Okay, if you notice there is the picture's and all the story and everything going on and how it compares with reality. This, the pictures are, are who God is and what, what's going on there. The reality is the, action, is the story and how it relates to us. But it, it has one purpose. The multiple points of comparison are like the feathers aligned with the shaft of the arrow... And when it is aimed at a target, because of the feathers, the arrow flies steadily toward a specific destination in the same way that a parable is told to make one point. It communicates a single message, which usually requires a decision. A forceful illustration makes it difficult to ignore the call for immediate reaction. The parable is... Designed to uh, elicit and response a decision. Young says, They begin with God and involve people. They communicate one message and urge a decision. So while a parable teacher may listen more than one will intend, let me make sure I say that, So while a parable teacher may intend more than one point of comparison between the picture and the reality it illustrates, the drama leads in one direction to communicate a single message. The parable enables the listener to see things that God sees them. They see human beings from God's point of view and challenge the listener to respond to his eternal message. They take the abstract word of spiritual values and enable the audience to visualize them in concrete terms. Now, as we, we're going to get into a lot of different parables, and I want to get into some really cool ones uh, in the months to come, ones that we'll see, and we'll, we'll look at them, like I said, in Jewish context. We're going to look at them because Jewish context, meaning the place that the parable is talking about that a Jewish person would understand. And we'll look at these uh, different ideas that a Jewish person would understand. And we'll see things that maybe, uh, you know, m- maybe we never looked at before. One, of, one example that I want to talk about, maybe we'll talk about... Um, the rich, or the, um, let's see, would be the foolish and the wise man, would be would be an example that I'm going to talk about. And and most of us know this story about the foolish man and the wise man. The foolish man built his house, uh, the foolish man built his house in sand, and the wise man built his house in the rock. Everyone mostly know that. The thing is, is when we look at that story, we look at it in the point of view of what we have perceived what, where sand is. We look at it and what we pursue, what rocks are. And most of the time, we'd look at it and we'll see, okay, that it's like a guy building his house on the beach. Now, not that that's totally wrong, because there are places in the Mediterranean, I guess, that would be beachy, you know, but for most of the disciples around that place and around, that, uh, around Jerusalem and, and where they live, sandy places to them more often come er, in their minds would be uh, inside of what's called a wadi. Now a wadi is kind of like a, a, uh, a river made, an earth made canyon. Okay, that is, comes off the rains of the Judea Mountains. Now it barely rains, but when it does rain, it comes down off those mountains and it comes fast. And it cuts through the desert. And as it cuts through the desert, it makes these wadis, it makes these canyons. Okay, And at the top of the Judea Mountains is uh, limestone and all this that rush down with the, the waters... And then when the waters dry out, the limestone left kind of leaves like this sandy bottom. And it dries out pretty quick because it's so hot in the desert. All right? And so as it does that, you got the sand at the bottom there. And so when it does rain, it comes through those wadis and it floods quickly. So when the rains come down and the floods come up. Okay, so, and then at the top of the wadi, what doesn't break through would probably be rocky areas. Okay, which, which didn't get broken through the waters. So, when Jesus is telling the parable of a foolish man who built his house on the sand, to most Jewish um, thought, they'd be thinking of someone who would try to build their house in the middle of a wadi. Which brings the whole idea of a foolish man even more to light of being an idiot. Okay, I mean that that would if you saw as a Jewish person you saw someone building their house in a wadi, you would look down and go, "What an idiot!" So to Jesus, he's saying a foolish only a foolish man, an idiot would build his house there, as a wise man would build his house. Here, so as we look at more parables, we're going to see Jewish customs to bring the light a little bit more of what—not that it usually uh, takes away from what we've learned about parables—but sometimes it'll it'll even bring a little deeper meaning of what we what I think Jesus really intended. Uh, to be uh, made in that parable, but as we look at parables, there are six components from a parable that I want to look at. There is the prolegomenon. Everyone say that ten times fast. Prolegomon, pro. See, I can't even say it once. prolegomenon prolegomenon. Something like that is non at the end of there. All right? Basically, it's a, it's a fancy word of a phrase that builds the anticipation of the parable. Okay, It's the words that are said that say, oh, we're, we're about to hear a parable. Usually, Jesus would say something like, the kingdom of God is like. And so we're like, oh, we're about to hear a story. Everyone sit down. The next thing is the introduction of the cast. Right? For instance, like the, uh, the prodigal son. Okay? Uh, the the cast starts with, there was a man who had two sons. Oh, now we know everybody. And it's very important to understand that when he introduced the cast, that we keep our minds and the understanding of the parable around the entire caste. Because it's funny when we talk about, for instance, the prodigal son, that throughout most of the story we're talking about one son. But the cast was introduced with the father and two sons. So the second son has to be important in understanding the parable. Three, the plot of the story. This is where we study the characters and, and, and uh, participate in the actions by identifying with those characters. We, we go along and we, we see what's going on. There's the conflict, and the conflict usually focuses on the, the major problem and, and usually begs for some kind of solution. There's got to be something to be resolved here which five is the conflict uh, resolution. See, the parable will lead the listener on a path toward a resolution of the conflict. And the audience actively participates in this process. And conflict resolution invites the listener uh, involvement with the plot of this drama. Sometimes the parable is left without... A clear resolution and invites the audience to decide the matter. Which leads to six. A call to decision and or even an application. And this is the major turning point of the parable. Here the uh, storyteller is describing the significance of his or her tale, and explaining the central theme, and so I want to get uh, just a kind of a little foundation okay nothing nothing crazy tonight. just want to give you a little foundation of what we're going uh, to look at as we look at parables as uh, when i when I speak, and we'll get into uh, the parables starting next time, and we'll get into um, more of applications and and things like that. But I want us to focus on tonight what the parables mean, why parables were were done in Jewish culture, and why I think they're important for us to study. Because Jesus spoke one-third of His message in the Synoptic Gospels. In parables, these stories, for us to understand. It takes our God. And allows us to, to, to be able to see something that maybe we can't understand about God. Maybe there's something about God that you don't understand. Maybe there's something about God that you're, you're even, there's something that you're facing and that you're going through. And that God's maybe trying to deal with you, but you don't quite understand how God can help you through it. And as we look at these parables, we're going to see and discover and compare and be able to get together the true meaning of who God is and how He can help you through what you're dealing with. Because though it was written to Jews, the great thing about the Bible is that it applies to us today. And I love that about His Word, is that it is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the more we understand God's Word, the more we're going to understand our will. But tonight, like I said, we're just introducing to you what we're going to be discovering throughout this year. And I'm excited to see new things that we haven't been able to see before in parables And allow us to be able to walk in those things in a new way. The way God wants us to walk. And to be what God wants us to be in a whole new way. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you.